and open up to uh, Malachi, Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. I'll read the entire chapter there. Malachi 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, Wherein hath thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob. And I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you? O priests that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar. And ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, beseech God, that he will be gracious unto you. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. From the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be, incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness is it. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth, and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this afternoon. We're able to gather here together to study your word. Thank you for the food that we enjoyed previously. And uh, thank you for those that are willing to uh, take the money out of their own budgets and prepare food for the, and share it with the entire church. The time it takes to do that and the time it takes to clean it up. I'm very grateful for all that. Thank you for people who are willing to do that. Please, Lord, help us as we look at your word and help us as we study it to open our eyes, remove any uh, perceptions or preconceived notions that we might have, and let us uh, only think on what your word says. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're going to put a title on this measure, the title I chose was it seems to be the theme of what Israel is saying throughout this passage, which is, yeah, right. And that's, just, that's the attitude that Israel is coming to God with. If you look at when Malachi was written, there are many who say it was written around the 13th chapter of Nehemiah. And so if you take a look at the events that uh, were going on there, Pastor went through Nehemiah a bit ago, 
And uh, you can kind of relate to what has happened. A lot of things have fallen by the wayside. Uh, Israel is still in bondage to the Persians at this time. They don't have their own ruler. They're a couple uh, centuries yet away from the Maccabean revolt where nationalism will spring up. And they still have a long way to go until Christ will come. And already, even though God has uh, taken them and offered them a reprieve of the captivity that they've suffered in Babylon, they've once again fallen back into this contemptful attitude of God. You see, God's people in this chapter are compared negatively, and their attitudes are compared negatively to many different groups. And we're going to take a look at some of those groups. So if you're keeping your headings, I guess Roman numeral number one would be God's people compared negatively to letter A, the heathens. You look at, in a verse number, well, we'll start in verse 1, where it says, The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. We see this clearly is God's word. And then he says, God's telling them, I have loved you. And in the contempt attitude, Israel is saying back to him, What do you mean you've loved us? We're under, uh, the excuses might flow, might rain out. Wow, we're under Babylonian rule. We're under, we were under Babylonian rule. We've been conquered. Our temple is not anywhere near what it used to be. We don't have a king anymore. All the ten tribes to the north that were, that were rebellious, we don't even know who's who up there. We pretty much are only able to decide some Levites, some people from Judah, and maybe some Benjaminites. That's all we got left. What do you mean you've loved us? There was 12 tribes. Now it's possible only looking at three right now. It's what they might be saying, but you look at the sin that they did to get to that point. And it's pretty obvious why that punishment was necessary. Not a single king in the north was good. And God, as if he has anything to prove to them, which he doesn't, he looks back and says, Okay, was not Esau Jacob's brother? Now think about the story of Jacob and Esau. They were twins, yes. Esau was the firstborn. Esau, by all matters of birthright and the laws of the time and even the laws of modern monarchy, that should have been the one. That should have been the line. Their neighbors, I believe, Eden at the south was Edom to the south. That was at the south of them at this time, I believe. Those should have been God's chosen people. If all of the all of their worldly rules and all of their worldly regulations were followed, but that's not who God chose. Esau made some terrible decisions, and because of that, Jacob was chosen, the younger brother. God proved His love to them. He didn't follow the rules that mankind sets in place for who should be given preference. He gave preference to Israel, something they didn't deserve. And you see what He's done to Esau and those of uh, Esau's children who have despised the Lord. He's made their uh, He's made their they live a wasteland. Yet these heathens, you see in verse four, Edom has, saith. We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. And the Lord says they're going to do it in futility anyways, in so many words. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. They shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. Everyone's going to see that Edom, those people, they're going to say they're people that God hates. That's what it's going to look like. But yet these heathen are still going to show more devotion to their false gods than the Israelites are showing to the true God at this time. 
They're compared negatively to that. God's people. If you're looking for an application of how that can apply today, look at some of the ridiculous rules that some of the false religions follow. And yet, there are Christians, and we'll cover that in a little bit later, that uh, don't like coming to church or feel like church is an inconvenience. will come when they want. will give what they want, what's left over. We'll cover that a little bit later, but God's people compared negatively to the heathen. They're compared negatively to how a family relationship ought to work. Down in verse 6, a son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? You say I'm your dad, and all the things that you say that I'm a good father, I'm a father, but you don't act like it. Do we respond to God the same way um, us uh, dads expect our sons to respond to us? Think about that. Israel's not doing that at this time. Your sons are supposed to obey you. They're not doing it. They're not honoring their father. A good son doesn't talk bad about his dad. You saw throughout this chapter where they find the simple things that God has asked them to do, they hold them in contempt and act like it's a burden to follow him. Are we guilty of that today? He compares them negatively to employees. If I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts? O priest that despise my name, and ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? And then after, Jesus, or after God says that they've despised him, they haven't shown him the honor that you ought that every employee knows he needs to show his boss. Where is it going? Why not? Practical application today, do you fear your boss and your job more than you fear God? Another good thing to ask yourself as far as if you're honoring God in the proper way is if, I'll use church attendance, if you were as faithful to your job as you are to church attendance, would you have a job? If you showed up when you wanted, Late, maybe not in, I mean, we don't have very overly strict dress standards here, but if I showed up to preach in front of you in um, board shorts, a Hawaiian shirt, and flip-flops, yes, I would be cold. Number one, I would be cold. However, if I did something like that, or if anybody comes up here, there are people that go behind the pulpit that way, if I showed up to work where I'm required to wear steel toe boots in a particular uniform, if I showed up in a tennis shirt, shorts, and a t-shirt, I would be fired. But people fear their boss more than they fear God. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. This was, this was 2,500 years ago this was, this was recorded. So, it's, I mean, people pushing God to the back burner is nothing new. That's a rabbit trail. I won't go down there. Uh, God's people are also, they've been compared negatively to the heathen, to family, to employees, then to, the, then to citizens and subjects. If ye, in verse 8, if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? So let's see here. Going, we'll talk about something here that uh, might be a little touchy tithe. 
Oh, I don't have the money for tithe right now. It's a little short. I spent everything on Christmas. I don't know what. Tell you what, God, I'll pay you back when I get it. Okay, try doing that with your taxes. See how that goes. Try doing that with a police officer. He tells you you need to pay the registration on your vehicle. Your vehicle's expired. Uh, I'll get it to you when I get the money. Uh, Just have some patience with me. How do you think that's going to go? Don't try it. I personally haven't, so I can't speak from experience, but I've seen other people. Don't do that. You'll be in jail. And it's better, believe it or not, it's more terrible to fall into the hands of an angry God than it is to fall in jail. I mean... Jail won't have eternal consequences normally on your life, but good. Give it to thy governor. Will we be pleased with thee or accept thy person? No God change the subject. Now I pray, verse 9, now I pray thee, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Do you think God cares about nobility? God cares about title? God's given a precursor here to what he's going to say in the New Testament. Do you think the fact that these children that are Israelites, you think the fact of who your father was makes you any more entitled to God than the Gentiles? It doesn't. Very simple question. And talks about he shifts to the spiritual leaders. Those who are in charge. This could even be applied to fathers. In verse 10 it says, Who there is among you who would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. Does there have to be a financial reward for you to do God's work? If the IRS decided to stop letting you count your tax, ta- uh, not your taxes, your uh, donations to church as a charitable deduction, would you still donate that 10% you're at least supposed to do? Would you do that? Talking about they won't do it here. They want something back from it. They want something back from serving God. Pastor talked about it in his uh, more, uh, message this morning about washing people's feet. Christ expects us to do that which a lowly servant would do. And that's how we're to behave, because Christ did that. Wait. In verse 11 it says, For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and every place incense shall be offered unto my name. And a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. God is showing there a precursor to when the gospel is going to be opened up to every single person in the New Testament. That's a precursor to these uh, spiritual leaders that you're not going to have the monopoly on this. You don't have the monopoly on God. But God's people have profaned it. And that you say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. You say, behold, what a weariness it is. Very hard for, um, very hard for me to listen to people uh, say about how difficult it is serving the Lord. I understand in some nations where you could lose your head for it, or lose your job, or be disowned from your family. I understand that's a little different than what we have here in America. But let, let's be honest. Serving God in America is not that difficult. Let's be blatantly honest. It's really not. You knock on someone's door and you tell them about Christ. I've done it. I did it at a place that I come to find out was a crack house. Nobody pulled a gun on me. They actually sat there and listened to me present the gospel. It's not that hard. 
It's not a weariness to serve God. It's a matter of your, it's a matter of your mindset. What God has told us to do in the go ye, it's right up there, go ye into the world, preach the gospel. Don't have it perfectly memorized right now. However, that's not hard to do. Every, we live in a nation where you're required to learn how to read. The government sets aside and tells you that it is your right to an education. So everyone here should be able to read this book. I believe maybe we'll be, uh, maybe Brother uh, String will be going over it in Baptist Heritage. What has been done to get us this book in the English language? You don't have to learn Old Greek. You don't have to learn Old Hebrew. You don't even have to learn Latin to speak this, to read this and understand it. You don't even have to have a, an outstanding grasp of the English language to read this book. It was not written at that high of an intellectual level. It was not something just for kings. It's amazing. And people have, maybe it comes across lightly, people have died smuggling this book where it was illegal so that you could have it. 500 years ago, there wasn't an English Bible. And even when the authorized version first came out, I have a copy of that manuscript at my house, a copy of the New Testament of it. You can read it. It's a lot harder to read than this right here. Because when books were printed back then, they were more works of art than they were means of education. Most of the people that wrote it down were showing off. And they would choose great artwork to the point that you can't hardly distinguish what the letters were. Serving God is not a great weariness. As far as a church finding a place to assemble together with believers, that's not illegal. You can start a church in your own home, and in most places, I mean, even if people give you a hard time about it, there's nothing they can really do. Might be able to scold you a bit. Probably won't get thrown in jail. Give an example of what happened back in the 80s at a college in Virginia. Some college boys were out street preaching. And this new uh, new uh, chief in town, police chief in town, decided he was going to be big and bad. He decided to take these three boys and from a college, and he decided to throw them in jail. Well, as soon as the president of the college heard about that, okay, boys, everybody on this college campus that is here to be a preacher boy or any type of ministerial degree, get in a the bus. They went around, dropped two of them off at every corner in town. By that evening, those guys who were street preaching were released from jail. That's what can happen in this country. In other countries, every single one of them will be locked up, and some of them might have been tortured and even killed. It's not that weary. We don't have a weariness. It pains me to hear about it. Yes, Satan will attack you. Satan's going to attack. We're in a war. Enemy's not going to... We don't, we don't fight a docile enemy. I mean, there's never been an enemy that's been, that would just roll over. I mean, that even applies in sports. Unless you're playing the Lions or something, or the Browns, then that's probably about as close as you'll get. And yeah, it says there in verse 13, And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. You've made light of someone serving God. That should never be an attitude. 
in our minds. Like, oh, you're serving God, come on. Why are you giving up so much? You could be an athlete. You could go to the military. No. That's not the attitude to have. Serving God, and that's not to build up what I'm doing. Serving God is the best thing you can do with your life. It is. Everything else you do in this world is going to rot. All that garbage I pick up, that's all going to rot down there in Serona. That paycheck I get, all that money's going to rot. Everything I buy with that money's going to rot or be burned. Any business that you start is eventually going to go away. It's hard to think about, but it is. All of the military awards that were pinned on my uniform, that uniform's going to burn, those medals are going to burn, they're all going to be for naught, the tombstone that my name's engraved on is going to rot, no matter where it's at. If you devote your entire life to serving God with the right attitude, none of that will rot. A soul can't die. It doesn't die. I know I've said that many times. Everything else that we do is going to go away. In a hundred years, I doubt anybody will know the name Daniel Peterson. Unless there's somebody else born with that name. But even the names of the great generals and the great military leaders, you see great civilizations who built archaeological feats. We don't even know who built the Stonehenge. Maybe there were big shots in their day, but even that thing that they built, no one knows who they were. No one knows where their souls are. Judging by what we think that Stonehenge was built for, pagan purposes, they're probably in hell. But I don't know. Don't know for sure. It's hard to think about, but that the service of God is not something to be snuffed at, not something to turn your nose up at. And then in how we serve God, it shouldn't be haphazard or half-hearted. Church is not a charity. Church is not a goodwill. If you have busted stuff, if you have half-hearted measures, church is not the place to bring your old garbage. Um, had one church where someone was cleaning out their house. It's not this one, don't worry. They decided, oh, it'll be fine, I don't need any stuff. And they just threw garbage bags in front of the church of clothes. A lot of them were moth-eaten, torn up. Hardly any of them were good. And it's different if you, oh, I don't need something anymore. I got some baby clothes. I'm not planning on having any more little ones. My youngest one's out of the house. Here's some clothes. Here, you can have it. And give it to a specific person. That's one thing. Just dump it at the church. Not so much. If you do your budget in the matter in such a way that you look at it at the top line, the first thing you take out is the tithe, as much as that hurts, and that's what you do, or whatever God has laid on your heart to do. If God has laid on your heart to do more, go ahead. Have at it. You'll get your reward for that. But budget should not be done in such a way that got to pay the electric bill first, got to pay the car bill first, got to pay the house bill first. Those are all things that are important. And then if there's anything left over for food, that goes to God. No. That's what's being talked about here. Brought that was just torn and the lame and the sick. That's even talking about who we... who. Uh, is considered an eligible candidate to serve God. I had 
I had um, people I went to school with. Well, I couldn't do anything else. I failed at business. I failed at, couldn't get in the military. I failed as a police officer, so I guess I'm just supposed to be a pastor. Excuse me? No. Or, oh, I can't get my studies done. I can't, I can't learn Greek or Hebrew like you're supposed to at least get a, or pass the class to get your historical theology major. Oh, I guess I'll just go be a missionary. No. If you can't learn Greek and Hebrew, you're not going to learn a foreign language anyways. Don't say that in a contemptuous manner in a dorm room that causes fights in a Bible college. Don't do that. That's something that I had to learn. So, got to be, as Pastor was saying, don't clean people's feet in scalding hot water. Um, wish you would have told me that about uh, six years ago. I could have avoided some, uh, some bad mistakes. So, at least I know it now. Um, or I just could have studied my Bible. And, but anyways, um, that includes people who are put in the ministry. Don't, oh, you have, you, you should do business instead of ministry. No, don't. And please, parents, I don't think anyone here tells their kids this, but please don't even create that perception. It says in verse 14, there's a warning there. But cursed be the deceiver who hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrifice unto the Lord a corrupt thing. The absolute worst thing you could do here in this chapter is you have what God requires and you don't give it to him. The example here is use of a sacrifice. What was a sacrifice? What were you supposed to do with the first perfect uh, male sheep that was born in your flock? In Old Testament law, what were you supposed to do with it? Say again? You were supposed to offer it. That was God's. The first and the best is God's. And that applies to everything else in your life. Your talent, your time, and your treasures. The first and the best belongs to God. That's what you need to bring Him. He needs to have, we've talked about this in the men's Bible study too, priority of your time. Priority of where you spend your money. Priority of how you use what God's given you. God's given us all different gifts. If you hold something back from Him, you offer Him something instead that's corrupt, be almost like me saying I'll be the song leader. I'm not a very good song leader. That's the bad part. That's the skill I don't have. So, there are many other things like that. And God concludes there in this, in this chapter, and He'll continue on. We'll look at it some more uh, at a later date. But for the end of this chapter, For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. It's the last point. There's Roman numeral three. You serve a great God. Realize that. God constantly says throughout His Word that He's a great God. He's a great King. He's proven it. We and ourselves are not great, but who we serve, that makes you great. Uh, use the example of the military. Dan Peterson was not the greatest warrior in the world. However, Dan Peterson served in the greatest branch of our armed forces. The fact of where I served in the Marine Corps heightened and made me a part of something much bigger than what I myself was able to, would have been able to accomplish. So there's a reason many Marines, they, we can find each other. 
didn't take me too long before being here. I, I found out pretty quick that Brother Taliano was a Marine. Shouldn't they? It should be the same type of attitude with your fellow Christians. Your identity and yourself is not important. The king you serve, that's who's important. That's where you'll get your greatness. That's where you get your pride. We're not allowed to be proud of ourselves. We're allowed to be proud of our God and of our king. Recognize that and act like it. We all slip in these areas. The challenge is to act in that way. I want to have an invitation today. We'll close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly